Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Michael McCoy Show. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, channel 145, Slam Radio. And due to us starting just a little tad past when we're supposed to, we're going to jump right into things. We're not going to waste any time at all. And it's been a long minute since I've been, since I've had the pleasure to talk to my brother from another mother. And um, we've been doing it for a long time, for those of you that were catching me back when I was with my WVUM show back a couple years ago. Uh, Marsh Thomas talking Canes football. We could do this for hours, man. Marsh, how you been? What's going on, man? It's been, uh, it's been too long. It has been too long. I mean, I know we talk off air every now and then, but doing this, there's nothing better, man. Everything good with you? Yeah, man. Just uh, just on the grind. I know you're doing the same, and uh, you know, life isn't as fun when it's when it's during football season. But <laughs> we're, we're we're almost at spring football, so we're getting there. We're almost at spring football, and then we're blessed to be doing what we love. For those of you that are not aware, Marsh obviously affords a podcast. Obviously, now with on-site radio on uh, the South Florida airwave, we've been working hard to get here, and you know, we're doing our thing, man. Uh, the grind never stops, as you said, Marsh. But Marsh. Uh, you said it, man. Spring ball is around the corner. Um, what's on your mind, man? What's what's sticking out to you so far? What are some storylines that have you intrigued going into the spring or summer? And, you know, obviously September's going to be here. We kind of have a big game Labor Day weekend. So what what you've been burning <laughs> on lately? Well, I mean, I, I think this is a huge year for the Canes. Obviously, every year is huge, but especially, you know, now being this is Manny Diaz's third season, people yeah. want to see a little bit more improvement. Uh, you know, we got some new, we got some new coaches. We got uh, we got T. Raw back there. We got uh, a few other coaches. We got Jeff Simpson back. Oh, and also, um, you know, De'Ara King's not going to be there for spring, so I want to see right. how this offense is going to look. I want to see who's finally going to step up, and um, you know, a lot, a lot, lot to talk about, man. A lot of things going on, and uh, this is kind of a a make it or break a year for Manny Diaz. So yeah, man, a lot of people feel that way. I mean, how can you not? You know, uh, there has been improvement, no doubt, since year one. The win total has upped every single year. Uh, you know, I think the thing that sticks out most to people is that he's not afraid to make changes. Uh, doesn't take long to make them. You know, whenever there's a problem, uh, the fan base goes crazy, and then it's like, okay, well, we, we need to do this. We need to do that. He's done that. Let me ask a question. You know, we were on a little hot streak there hiring coaches, T. Robin and Travis Williams come along. Were you at all worried or concerned when he said, you know what, I'm going to follow Gus to UCF? Uh, and then figuring, figuring out, uh, you know, the replacement we, that we got for him, which I'm actually – very, very happy with, you know, the replacement. How do you pronounce his last name? I always forget from Texas A&M. I'm, I'm not sure. Aristide, oh, I think. <laughs> but how are you feeling about that? And how do you feel about Coach Aristide coming on the roster? Um, You, you know, I, I won't lie. You know, I was pretty uh, – I was very, very excited about Travis Williams coming mm-hmm. to Miami. I thought him and uh, Robinson, just the duo of him, they just fit Miami so perfectly. Um, and he had – you know, he's had success with coaching and also recruiting. But Ishmael – is a, he's a proven recruiter. He's done that very well at Texas A&M. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't really coached on the field, so I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that plays out. Yeah. But, um, you, know, I, 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 you know, it was kind of a bummer when, when T. Will left. After, I mean, he, there was so much buzz, you know, especially after that uh, intro press conference that he did. And so, but, you know, it was a great opportunity for him to go be the sole defensive coordinator at UCF. And so... I I I didn't see the Ishmael hire coming. I yeah. I didn't even know who he was when he when, <laughs> when we hired him. But um, you know, I I, uh, I trust Manny. So uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. I hear that. I mean, uh, I didn't. 
I don't know how accurate this is. You probably know more than I do. But uh, apparently, I read that uh, somewhere he was on the radar of many if Travis Williams didn't get the nod. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how accurate that is, but I did read that somewhere. I don't know how. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, credible that is, but. A guy coming from the SEC ranks oversaw Jimbo, not oversaw, but was part on this part of the staff where Jimbo Fisher coaches. And I mean, anytime you're with a guy that coached in the SEC, Jimbo Fisher, you know, LSU, he's an offensive guy, but still, uh, SEC defense are known to be fast, furious, and whatever. I think it'll be a good fit, especially knowing that he's from Miami. That's never a bad thing, knows the area, seemed to be more of an advantage recruiting wise than, like you said, coaching on the field. Yeah, well, I mean, um, and I think his dad is actually the, uh, the principal at Miami Northwestern. And right, so right. He, he's got some connections down here. And I mean, the staff that we have, when you, when you think about him and Fields and T-Rob, we've, we should own South Florida in recruiting, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I'm at the point right now. And uh, I know a lot of people always want to talk recruiting, things like that. I'm at the point now where I need to see the development mm-hmm. a little bit more now. So, uh, that, that's honestly where, where my, focus is that i know last year i i focused a lot on recruiting but now i want to uh i, I want to see you know what kind of jumps these linebackers make and what uh jumps these dbs make with robinson so lot to prove lot to prove what is it that i mean you talked you said it you perfect segue into what i was what i wanted to ask you you wanted to talk about i'm sorry i want to talk about improvement and seeing it on the field because miami has checked off pretty much everything that they're supposed to check off even since going back to mark rick you know we got the uh the ipf okay uh the school seems seems to be opening up the uh the pocketbook and you know when it comes to hires and everything like that, Mark Rick wasn't going to take the job unless the administration did that. That That's confirmed. I remember reading that 100%. And so in terms of on the field, that's the only thing that's missing. Of the position groups that, you know, had issues last year, let's say O-line was improved, but not to the level that we need to see it. Linebacker play, obviously, which is the one that Marsh feels needs to happen the most to be at least competitive, to at least, you know, play in, in Charlotte in, North, in, in December? Well, I, I think, um, you know, I think the offensive line, we're returning literally everybody on the O-line, right. so that'll be, uh, that'll be nice. And I think Zion Nelson took a big jump. And, and hopefully linebackers, uh, you know, Corey Flagg is expected to take a big jump. But to me, man, I, I think it's the wide receivers. I, uh, okay. you know, we, we, Mike Harley was really the only one who really performed at a, at a, not even a high level, but at a decent level. You know, Mark Pope and T. Wiggins, we've been talking about yeah, this for – for two years, man. I remember two years ago doing this show, and um, and we and you and you were hoping that Mark Pope would take that jump then, and they and him and Wiggins still haven't done it. I was really high on Wiggins coming in last year. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah Payton, we're still we're still waiting to see that transition from Green Tree to the game field. But also, I mean, you also, you also have a lot of uh, you, you have a lot of talented second year guys mm-hmm. when you look at guys like Xavier Strepo, Keyshawn Smith, and so. I just want to see who is going to, you know, be consistent. We also have Charleston Rambo, who came over from Oklahoma. Uh, I'm excited to see him play, but really, man, it's just, it's just consistency. You can't just do it for one week and then yeah, and drop yeah. off, you know, for the next four weeks. And so, I, I think, I think Derek King can be a whole lot better with more consistent receivers. I want to see Will Mallory get more touches Thank and or more targets. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I think it's the receivers. 
Um, accountability goes a long way into having guys be consistent week in and week out. Uh, T. Rob talks a lot about accountability. One of the uh, one of the sound bites I heard of him was saying that he goes best on best in practice sessions, which is how it should be. I mean, I that's Miami football at Green Tree, if you ask me. And so that's part of the reason why guys back in the day said that. Uh, Mondays through Fridays were way, way tougher than the Saturday game days. So um, I wanted to ask you the following. You know how Coach Diaz is going to be assuming the role as the defensive coordinator. It kind of has me concerned, and you know I'm big on Coach Diaz. I love the guy, and to me, in my eyes, not that he can't do any wrong, it's just that he's willing to right his wrongs. That's, that's, that's my favorite thing about him. I am not a fan of head coaches having multiple duties like that. I'm not the biggest X's and O's guy, so I don't know how hard or easy it can be. It's just that being a first-time coach, and maybe we shouldn't be saying that anymore. This is his third year doing it. But um, I was hoping that he kind of focused more on the CEO side of things instead of having that extra responsibility. How do you feel about that? Is that okay in your book, or are you at all concerned about that? Well, I mean, I, I understand the the concern because, I mean, what other head coach is doing that? I mean, as a head coach, you shouldn't have to assume the role of, of defensive coordinator, but obviously the Blake Baker experiment just did not work out. And right. so uh, I, um, you know, I, you, you would like him to assume that CEO, CEO role. I think a lot of the uh, successful head coaches nowadays are doing that. And so if he, if we, I am fine with it if our defense um, can go back to where it was in 2018, 2017, right. uh, because the the level of play on the defensive side of the ball, honestly, since Manny has taken over as head coach, has really dropped down, which is a shame to see. And so, uh, you know, I um, I think it's just gonna have to be a wait and see kind of a thing if okay. if the offense can. Um, you know, stay where it's been at with Rhett Lashley this past season. If, if the rest of the team can kind of keep their cool while Manny's taking over the defense, then it'll be fine. But uh, it, it's really going to be up to the rest of the coaches uh, to delegate and things like that. So, honestly, it's a wait-and-see kind of a thing. I hear that. I hear that. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, joined by my longtime buddy, Marsh Thomas. You know him from Forza Podcast and most recently on-site radio, doing his thing with IB Toast in the mornings. Funny guys, man. You guys should really check them out because they, if you need a laugh in the morning, that's that's the place to be at. And so, Marsh, um, is nine wins a successful season for Miami at uh, year three for Manny Diaz? Well, I think nine wins is uh, it, it. It has to be the floor, man. Like, there's no reason right. why this team should lose more. And I, <laughs> people are hating me because I predicted eight and four, man. But I, I honestly think eight and four would be a would not be a successful season. You have to get, but you have to get to Charlotte this year. I know last year, I think technically they would have made it to Charlotte, um, you know, but there was no ACC championship game, obviously, right. or, or or no, it's because Notre Dame was in the ACC. Right, right. Um, but you have to make it to Charlotte. I know UNC still has Sam Howell and players, but you know they they're losing both their running backs, their receivers, and so then you know their top linebacker. There's no reason. I know we I, we open up against Alabama. I think we can all assume that's going to be a loss. Um, and but then at then at UNC, that is going to be a tough game, I believe. But other than that, you can't really point to a game and say, okay, that's that's a loss. So I, you have to win. You have to win nine games this year. Like that is the absolute bare minimum. And so 
Um, but I, I still have to see it from this team. Uh, I think a lot of fans are in that uh, that same boat. I think a lot of them are kind of gone, uh, gone with the days where we're predicting ten and two every yeah. year just because. Right. Uh, you know, we have to see it this year, and nine wins, nine is the absolute target. Alabama, and this is the chronological order of the schedule for the Kings. You got September fourth, Bama at Atlanta. September eleventh, Appy State at home. Uh, at home versus Michigan State on September 18th, September 25th uh, versus Central Connecticut State at home. Again, home versus Virginia September 30th. That's one, two, three, four home games in a row. Then Miami travels to uh, Chapel Hill on October the 16th to face the Tar Heels. October 23rd, my birthday, you got NC State at home. Pittsburgh October 30th uh, away. Uh, at home against Georgia Tech November 6th, sorry. And then you got the 13th of November at Tally, and then you close out the season. I'm sorry, no, September, November 20th at The Rock versus uh, Virginia Tech. And then finally, you close out the season at Durham on the road November 27th. You're 100% right, Marsh. I mean, I know that the ACC always seems to have that one or two games that seem to sneak up on you know teams like Miami or FSU not so much Clemson lately but uh you're right I mean the ones that I'm kind of scared of aside from um, Alabama I'm not worried about Michigan State Miami's looked really good against Virginia the past couple years um obviously UNC okay for obvious reasons NC State gave us a scare last year but that game's going to be at home this season, you always got to worry about Pitt. So right now, I'm kind of highlighting UNC Pitt, and uh, I can never, no matter how bad FSU is, okay, they could just be a doormat in the joke of college football because of the simple fact that it's an interstate rival, and you know they want to play against us every year. I'm not writing that game off. Am I crazy for that? No, 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 no. You're you're not crazy at all. I think uh, you talk to any cocky Canes fan right now, and they say, "Yeah, we'll win by 20." I don't feel like that. I think that game could be could end up being a lot closer than people like to admit. I think Mackenzie Milton is going to play well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but besides, and and you can never besides the last two years. I mean, even two years ago, 2019, yeah. it was a dogfight until yeah. the fourth quarter. Yeah. And so uh, last year was the rare exception where they didn't have their head coach and we just you know knocked the doors off of them. But uh, you know, at FSU, I think will be tough. NC State, I mean. I think they finished either night with eight or nine wins this mm-hmm. past year. So I think that could that could uh, you know that could potentially be a top twenty-five matchup. Uh, at Pitt is always scary, um, honestly. You know, and we, you never know what you're going to get from Virginia Tech. Right. Uh, uh, there's so many teams that, and even UVA. You know, Virginia. We, we yes. played them to a five-point game this past year. Yes. Um, I don't know what it is, but Bronco Mendenhall just knows how to play us well. Uh, and so I, there's a, there's always you know, those teams, man, that uh, that came that always seem to give Miami a scare. So it's very hard for uh, you know Miami fans like you and I to say, okay, that you know nine wins right there. Of but, course, because then we think about other these other schools like, oh, well, what about this? So and then you got to consider health because I mean, COVID looks like it's still going to be around, unfortunately. So you got to keep that in the back burner. And then um, you know, expectations don't do well for Miami football teams. And whenever that expectation uh, seems to, be, I was listening to Mark Packer off campus a couple well, last week. And he wasn't hosting for that particular day that I was listening in. It was uh, Jacob Hester, former fullback at LSU. And I forgot what the other guy's name was, but he announces games for ACC Network. They had Miami in the top six going into the season. And I'm thinking, whoa, 
I was top like, oh, six okay. in the country? In the country, my brother. What? In the country, yeah. They had Miami at six. <laughs> I don't remember. The other five in no particular order, obviously Bama, you had Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and I think it was A&M. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 it's the uh, it's the normal five, honestly. Mm-hmm. And they have Miami um, at six, man, yeah. which is insane. I, mean, I, I don't have them in their six, but <laughs> those expectations are a bummer. Uh, yeah, those. Uh, <laughs> they are. I mean, six. I I would, dude. I wouldn't be upset if they had us at like twenty five. Give me <laughs> put us at twenty five, man. I don't. I don't want that bullseye on our back right now because whenever that happens, exactly. in the last fifteen years, we always kind of seem to uh, play down to the competition. So. Uh, I I I hope I I hope we don't get six, and I and I'd honestly be surprised if we are ranked in the top ten going into the season. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I don't want that. No. And so uh, we'll see, man. I uh, I think the big stretch is going to be after the Alabama game, how we handle that, we, whether or not we somehow pull out a miracle win or or we just get our doors knocked in. I want to see how we handle that because we don't have a cupcake the, those next two games, App State and Michigan State. I want to see us how we handle that, and uh, I think that'll tell us a lot about this team. Last question for you. Give me Marsh's top two hot takes entering the season for the Canes, good or bad, offense or defense. Let me hear them. Oh, boy. Um, I think I think the Canes will not be in Charlotte this year. Oh, man, okay. I know it's going to be crazy Here to go me. Your Twitter and, mentions. And <laughs> I don't know if I'll tweet that out yet. Um, I, I I don't think that we're going to be in Charlotte. I think Manny Diaz is going to have some more struggles this year. Um, and I know people don't want to feel that, but you know me, I'm, I, I speak my mind. I hear you. Um, my second, my second opinion is, oh man, what is, I think, Bubba Bolden is going to establish himself as maybe one of the best safeties in the country. Okay. I think I, I'm really, really excited to see him play this year, especially with T. Rob back there as a secondary coach. I know he uh, was a little inconsistent last year, but I think he puts it all together. Okay. And I think he solidifies himself as a first or early second round pick. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, a guy that had a really good start to the season last year, and I don't want to say he declined, but he just didn't seem to be in the same spots that he was earlier on in the season. But fair enough, man. Um, yeah, let me know when you tweet that out. I want to see how those mentions go. <laughs> Bro, you, you know, dude, I, I don't know what it is about the people who follow me on Twitter, but whatever take I have, they're gunning through my gunning for my throat. Dude, it's 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 par for the course, man. That means you're doing something right, brother. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but Marsh, man, I, I hope we don't got to wait uh, however long it's been since we do this again. All right. Yeah, man, dude. Whenever you wanna, whenever you wanna come on, I, I you're, you're whenever I. You want me to come on? I'd, I'd love to do it, and uh, let's get you back on fours up soon. Sounds good, Sam. Sounds good. Um, all right, guys, uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break. We're going to be talking with someone, uh, Corey Shandrick, and I really I, I can't wait to talk to him. He's from the uh, Athletic Academy. We'll bring you more information and details on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. 
Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm gonna step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed a drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're gonna knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Oh, man. See, this is, I'm not in the gym right now, but I feel like I, I can lift anything listening to Phil Collins. Holy crap. This is my intro music. 
<laughs> You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. That was a good segment with Mars Thomas, buddy of mine. Been a big time uh, supporter of each other, of each other's work for a really long time. And um, that was good talking Canes football with him. But now we're on the line with Corey Sandrick. All right. Corey Sandrick is a guy that I found on LinkedIn. LinkedIn can be an incredible tool, ladies and gentlemen. Go ahead and use it. Reached out to him yesterday, and um, there was an article that he put on the website that I saw on uh, on LinkedIn, and I want him to talk about it. So Corey is the is the co-founder of the. Um, Number one tool for college recruiting, and that's what we're going to talk about now, recruiting and how these coaches and programs go about selecting who they want to recruit and play and, and have play and represent their program. So, Corey, thanks for calling, and I really appreciate your time. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad you came across my article on LinkedIn. Um, you're really actually one of the first people to reach out to me through that channel, and I'm glad it's working. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, the Athletic Academy, if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, again, uh, Corey Sandrick is a co-founder of the Athletic Academy, and um, there's an article yesterday, well, that I, that I saw yesterday, and he was talking about uh, questionnaires and how important they are for coaches and or programs to use when they want to bring in a high school athlete, a student athlete, to their program, whether it be male, female, or, uh, or any sport for that matter. So we're going to talk about that again Corey, I appreciate you coming on the show. So I um, have a couple things that I wanted to ask you about that because it really caught my attention. And one of them is, excuse me, I'm pulling them up right here because I don't have them off the top of my head. Um, the actual questionnaires, can you, can you talk about what the overall purpose is behind having those for coaches and like how important they are? Yeah, for sure. So essentially you can think of these questionnaires as almost like a job application for these these high school athletes, they can go on uh, these schools' websites. They can pick their sport. Uh, each school's website has a link to okay. fill out these questionnaires, and you can uh, insert your information and then different attributes and stats, a lot of objective information that goes directly into the school's uh, their recruiting database. So wow. uh, each, each program has whether different kind of software they use or a spreadsheet, and that information is then – uh, is imported directly in, into their software so they have uh, a, a database to refer back to of potential uh, candidates. Okay, very 2021-ish if you ask me. That sounds like something that is uh, relatively new. So um, it seems like also something that's very important because if you see someone uh, that's filling out, and, and no offense to those that I'm about to describe right now, but say someone on the shorter end of things and say you're a basketball point guard and maybe six foot and you're probably a coach looking for somebody six, three and up that could probably help filter or sort out, you know, the guys that you, or, or, or females that you don't want. So how heavy do college coaches lean on the questionnaires to determine if they want to recruit? And as do you know, to your knowledge, if there's ever a point where they just, they say, you know what, to hell with this questionnaire, I want this athlete. Yeah, I think, you know, every program is different. I think, um, lots of programs have different ways going about recruiting athletes, whether they have, you know, different inside sources uh, that give them their prospects um, or maybe some programs that don't have enough funds uh, okay. to go out and, and recruit and do those things. They really rely on these questionnaires um, to be able to uh, find prospects and have prospects come to them. Okay. Um, you know, I don't think it's anything like it's a make or break situation with the questionnaire. It's just more of a, 
a way to express interest uh, for both sides. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. I like that. How long has this been? Uh, has this process been uh, going on? How long has it been used by student athletes and programs, you know, across the nation? Uh, it's probably been over ten years, uh, maybe even twenty years. Uh, but traditionally, they were sent in the mail. So I remember as a high school athlete, actually some questionnaires got sent to my head football coach and he would just hand those to me in the, in the hallway of the high school and say, you know, fill these out and then I'll mail them back in. Wow. Um, but obviously that probably didn't get as many results out as it does nowadays where you can simply uh, go on the, to the school's website and click recruiting questionnaire and, and uh, access it that way. Are all questionnaires the same, or do they vary by school? I mean, I know you briefly went into what's in them, maybe height, weight, attribute, or and or attributes, but are there any, ever any type of uh, personal questions? Are these questionnaires personalized for uh, specific athletes that you know schools want to target? Um, they're all of them are pretty similar. Okay. Um, like I said, most of the questions are objective. Okay. So there's not there's not really any open ended questions, um, but there might be some questions tailored to the school. Um, maybe you know if what you want to study because some schools don't ha- offer different programs. True. Um, and things like that, but for the most part, all of the information is is pretty much the same. Okay. Okay. And I mean, you said that you went through this process as well, so you can speak on it. Uh, how early in the recruiting process are these questionnaires presented to recruits? Because, I mean, I've heard stories of, of, of quarterbacks out in California being offered by USC in, like, the sixth grade. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, once you're a freshman in high school, you can start uh, filling out these questionnaires or a, a coach can start sending these questionnaires. Um, I don't think nowadays that they really send them through the mail anymore, but right. – uh, that's when you would be available to start uh, filling those out. And, uh, yeah, like you said, kids do get offered, you know, as freshmen and sophomores, but those offers aren't, um, you know, it's not a direct offer to the kid. Those mm-hmm. offers have to go through the high school coach. A, a college coach cannot actually personally talk to a kid until he starts his junior year. Got it, got it, got it. And so, obviously, this is for any sport, and you know, male or female across the board. Uh, you said you went through the process. Can you talk about your particular instance and how it affected your recruiting and or decision-making to, to choose Illinois State? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I didn't really go through this process as, as an athlete, and that's kind of what really uh, intrigued me to, to start this company, the Athletic Academy, is to be able to provide these resources uh, for kids and, and and teach them how to go through the recruiting process themselves. Uh, When I was an athlete, I only had possibly, you know, you know, two or three schools that were interested in me. And, you know, I didn't really know what to do to get myself recruited. I didn't even know all the different options out there or the different things that I needed, needed to do. So that's what we're trying to do uh, with our company is be able to provide that knowledge for kids and their families. Okay. Again, uh, the Athletic Academy uh, co-founder, Corey Shandrick, on the line with us, listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, if you're joining us a little late. And he's talking, well, we're talking about the the importance of recruiting questionnaires. Uh, I ran across this uh, piece on his LinkedIn account uh, yesterday, reached out to him, and he's been grateful enough to to lend his time to the show. And so that's what we're talking about right now, if you're just joining the show. So... um, there isn't much, I'm assuming, uh, 
being that you know you already described the type of questions and how they're pretty much uh, kind of general, there isn't much parental and or coach involvement when it comes to answering these questions. Am I right? Uh, correct, and that's kind of the beauty of them is that a kid can go online and uh, he knows most of the information himself. Um, uh, he can, if he does need some information in terms of like academic, you know, grades and test scores and things like that, he can ask his coach or his guidance counselor. Um, but most of the information, you know, once he completes one questionnaire, he should be able to complete several questionnaires. Okay. Um, so it really, and another thing it does is it, it teaches, uh, it teaches the athlete, you know, what he needs to, to do to be recruited, what he needs to improve on, uh, what kind of things he needs to know. Uh, in order to continue with the process. I like that. I really like that because, I mean, there is so much into – I was never recruited by in any sport coming out of high school for uh, the sports that I play, play basketball, ran track. And so, um, obviously, recruiting now is different than it was back in the day. But there's just so many things to, I imagine, to keep uh, to keep in touch with. You got coaches, you got mail, you got uh, – social media is huge. So – I mean, I know you've talked about it brief, touched on it briefly, but other than wanting to help out the student athlete, uh, what made you want, what made you and the Athletic Academy want to publish that piece and what kind of feedback have you gotten on it? Yeah, the reason we, we published the piece now is because we are entering a time uh, for the college football recruiting season. We call it spring recruiting. Mm -hmm. So uh, traditionally, this is where coaches um, will start to, uh, put together their their upcoming class. So uh, we just finished the class of 2021. So right. now coaches are moving forward for the class of 2022. So it's really important and during this this first season of the year uh, for kids and, and coaches to to uh, you know use these recruiting questionnaires to to try and locate you know opportunities. Okay, okay. I love that. I love that because there's nothing better than trying to help out a, a student athlete get to the next level. And there's a lot of people in the industry that have that same mentality. I was talking to everybody in the South Florida area, or nationally, I should say, knows the likes of you know Larry Bluestein and what he does uh, helping out um, high school football players get to the next level, whether they be that elite five-star guy or, or the complete opposite. It's just about helping them get to the next level. And um, do you hear it all from coaches actual coaches from say big time schools for any type of questions they they may have for you regarding these questionnaires um not necessarily i think coaches really like to uh you know filter through we we on our website we have a section called player cards so anytime a a player gets to our website uh they can create their, a player card which is essentially like their recruiting profile awesome um and coaches College coaches are able to uh, go on this this website and filter through prospects based off of class, uh, location, and also position. So, as this database grows, it's going to be uh, something that college coaches can always refer refer back to if they're looking for prospects that that fit certain criteria. I see the link here on the website, Coach Cards, and um, he, 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 ladies and gentlemen, he you know described it perfectly. So. Corey, before we go, we're running up to the end of the segment here, and again, I appreciate your time. Can you tell whoever's listening out there that may have a particular interest in uh, using this questionnaire how to access it? Yeah, for sure. Actually, on our website, we have something called the College Search Tool, mm -hmm. and it's one of our latest, our latest uh, uh, features on the site. 
uh, anyone can go on the website. Um, you there? Corey, you there? Yeah. I think we got Corey in and out. Um, he was saying, Corey. He should be back. He should be back. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he was saying that, uh, and I have it here in front of me, the college search tool. And this is the Athletic Academy website in which Corey is the co-founder of. And I'm clicking on that college search tool that he was talking about now. And there's literally uh, a slew of options you can pick through, uh, literally, the college search tool. And pick your college, Air Force, Akron. It's all in alphabetical order. And we're just going to wait for Corey to come back right now to finish talking about that. See if he's back. Can you you got me? There we go. Thanks about that. I'm sorry. Thanks for that. Sorry for getting cut off there. Great. Yeah. So the college search tool, we've it's a database, so you can filter and find any school in the country, and there's a, a, a button on there to fill out the recruiting questionnaire. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, uh, any kid in Florida can can go through every single school in Florida there and uh, click the recruiting questionnaire button and fill it out uh, very quickly. It might take 10 to 15 minutes uh, to fill out, but uh, also, with those with that tool, you can access contact information for coaches as well as wow. uh, camp camp websites and camp dates for those schools. So, a one stop shop, you know, to 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 find the information you need to contact schools. That's amazing, Corey. Good work, man. Good work. And again, it's all about trying to help. Uh, you know, these athletes get to the next level, get an education as best they can. So, um, again, ladies and gentlemen, that's Corey Shandrick, co-founder of the Athletic Academy. Follow him on, on, on Twitter. I found him on LinkedIn, but go ahead and follow him on Twitter. He's uh, at CSCShandy23 on uh, Twitter. Again, show Corey Shandrick of the Athletic Academy. And um, he's, helping, he's, helping he's helping student athletes get into college with this college search tool uh, that he has implemented on the website. So, Corey, man, um, I appreciate your time. I really wanted to speak to you because it intrigued me. And in an age, a digital age, where everything is literally at your fingertips, this is the perfect example of that. And I think it'll go a long way in helping student athletes get to the next level. Definitely. I appreciate you having, on, uh, having me on here. Not a problem. Um, hopefully it's not the last time. We'll maybe talk some college football, man. Hope so. Um, okay. Thanks. I hope you have a good day. You do the same. Thank you. Um, we will step aside really quick, pay some bills, and you're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slime Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? And he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. That was fun. I'm really, I'm really grateful that I reach out to guys and I get responses back <laughs> that want to actually talk to me on the radio. It's pretty cool. Um, Corey Sandrick was on the line with us just this last segment. Marsh Thomas before him. Two guys that know their stuff when it comes to college football. But that last segment with Corey was very interesting because, I mean, college recruiting has changed so much. Okay, you, you heard Corey say that when we were talking about questionnaires and how that's helping students, you know, get to the next student athletes in high school get to the next level. So. Um, he has this college search tool on the website on the Athletic Academy in which a uh, student athlete can go and take advantage of, put all of their information in and reach out to coaches and pretty much sell themselves, okay, make themselves known. And I think that's awesome because you know what they always say about recruiting, if, they're good, if you're good, they'll find you. I mean, that isn't always necessarily the case. There are always diamonds in the rough and guys, you know, end up going to schools that uh, sometimes people probably never even heard of, and then all of a sudden they're making it big and 
at the next level in the NFL, it's like, well, what was this guy coming out of high school? How come he wasn't playing at some big-time Power 5 school? So uh, in a day and age where it's everything is about do-it-yourself, I think Corey has the right idea. So um, we were talking about that. And then before him, uh, Marsh Thomas uh, talking Canes football. And, I mean, where do you start? I mean, it, it's unhealthy being a Miami Hurricanes fan <laughs> pretty much ever since the – uh, national championship game back in, what was it, 02, 03, uh, going down to Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, a game that has never treated the Miami Hurricanes good. Um, things just haven't been where they're supposed to be. And so year three going into Manny Diaz, nothing new, okay? Uh, nothing is a surprise right now for any Canes fan, all right? We know what the issues are. We know what we're good at. We know what we're not good at. We know what to expect, my, my question is this, and I should have asked this to Marsh. I should have asked Marsh this. And you know what? Put Manny Diaz out of the situation. Take him out of the equation. Take any coach, right, at any level of any sport. If he or she sees that changes need to be made and they make them, and they're not just any changes. It's not like, okay, I need a – my linebackers aren't playing well. Let me get a new linebackers coach. And it's Joe Blow from Sisters of the Poor University. No, it's – I need my linebackers to play better. Let's go sign this guy. We do that. I need a quarterback's coach. Let's get this guy. At the time of the hires, Manny Diaz is making all the right moves, okay? Uh, year one going into him, John Richt was at the helm of being the quarter, uh, at the helm of, you know, quarterback coaching. Sorry, enter Dan Enos. And at, say what you want about the guy now, but right at the moment of the hire, I was excited. Uh, what is there not to be excited about a guy that was uh, – that was coaching in the SEC to help Tua become a better passer, to help Jalen Hurts become a better passer. Both of those guys are now starters in the NFL, okay? So stop knee-jerking and stop saying it was a bad hire. Yeah, you're saying that in retrospect, but you were probably doing backflips at the time of the announcement of the hire, okay? Same thing with T-Will, same thing with T-Rob, uh, you know, and other coaches that you consider to be upgrades. My question is this. If they're an upgrade at the moment, right, and things don't work out, how much of the blame is still on the on the head guy if he's doing what he's supposed to do? Because he's doing what he's supposed to do, right? It's not just hiring any guy out of nowhere. He's hiring the best guy available and a guy that fits his system, a guy he could work with, a guy he's familiar with. And remember, it's not just about uh, uh, coaching on the field. It is, and that's the big part, probably the biggest part. But it's also about forging forging relationships off the field uh, with recruits. So. It's a double-edged sword. It's, you know, the only frustrating part about it is that you can have a coach sign for three years. That doesn't mean he'll be here the next one. And we saw that because after two weeks, you know, Travis Williams bit the dust. Good for him. Sucked for Miami. It is what it is. And, you know, that's, that's life in 2021. What is, a, what is a contract when it comes to coaching or whatever the case is? I mean, it seems like contracts are just a, a piece of paper now. They're not so binding as they would seem. Um, what's your biggest question going into Kane's football? All right. You know what mine is? What mine is? Uh, it's Derek King and not whether he could be effective or not. Okay. Because we've seen what he can do. We've seen what he can do. And when he's at his best, uh, the guys, the guys talked about on the Heisman list. Okay. Cause that's exactly where he was going into last season. The guy wasn't a front runner, or anything like that or anything of that sort. But he was definitely mentioned as one of the guys to keep an eye on going into the season, especially coming into the offense that he would have been playing with under Rhett Lashley. Year two, obviously going to be some improvement, familiarity with the system, coach familiarity with him. 
but he's hurt. So my question is, okay, I know that he's a young guy and, you know, they, they heal up quick. And an ACL tear is really not as significant as it was back in the day. Yeah, it'll end your season, but it's no longer career-threatening, okay? And so I keep putting it off. But the question is, when do you really play him? Okay, I know that his, 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 uh, his rehab is going well, but do you really want to throw him into the fire day one or week one versus that Alabama team? Who, which, by the way, they lost a lot, all right? They lost a lot. I was talking with some guys, uh, a chat that we have going on, and, you know, they made some pretty good points, and this is the best time to play Alabama, okay? I mean, look what they've lost. Look what they've lost. They have a quarterback that may bring the New England Patriots back to stardom, assuming that... Uh, Mac Jones gets drafted by the Patriots, okay? You got a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver who won two national championships, caught the game-winning uh, touchdown catch as, his, as a freshman versus Georgia from Tuatonga Bailoa. You lose him. You lose Najee. I think Najee Harris is gone. Yeah, Najee Harris is leaving. You lose him. And to me, um, say what you want, you know, no shade against, you know, uh, Travis Etienne in, in Clemson, but I feel that Najee Harris is the more complete back, okay? That's how I feel, and he probably did it against at least a tad better competition. I mean, Alabama played 11 SEC games this year. That's never been done, okay? That's the first time that any SEC school has played 11 opponents from the same conference in one season. So you consider that, and just the production that he had in the last two games, I think against Florida he had five touchdowns, and in the national championship game I think he had like three or four. But the way, in he's, the way that he's used, and not to say that Travis Etienne cannot be used that way. I mean, heck, you can line Travis Etienne up in the slot. I get it. The guy's a freak athlete. He's fast. But give me Najee Harris, man. Give me Najee Harris all day. It's a win-win situation. Again, I'm probably in the minority, which I don't mind being, and I really don't care about that. But it's preference, and um, you're gonna get a great A back, whichever way you look at it. But Alabama loses him. Uh, you lose Waddle, okay, a guy that uh, was he- getting all the headlines, and a guy that we probably would have never heard of. Well, I mean, I say never heard of, but we definitely wouldn't have heard of Devonta Smith in the. Uh, way that we did this past season if Waddle didn't go down, all right? That's for sure. Leatherwood is gone. I don't know how many guys are losing on the offensive line, so they're losing a lot. So um, that's my thing. Do you wait until the ACC schedule to start to give him a breather? Do you start him, you know, right off the bat against Alabama? There's only so much you can tell in off-season workouts. There's only so much you can tell – uh, in the summer and, you know, in the uh, once camp starts in the fall, he's only going to have and then you got to consider COVID. However, that's going to affect things if things go up or down when it comes to, uh, you know, that situation and how much time the coaches are going to have on the field with these guys. But the point that I'm trying to get at with the Eric King is nothing, absolutely nothing. And this goes for any athlete in any sport. Nothing replaces in-game reps. You can scrimmage all you want to. You can lift all you want to, run, do drills, have therapy. Nothing replaces in-game reps. So you want those first times uh, of Derrick King getting hit, live action, all right, on prime time, (laughs) uh, on uh, Labor Day weekend in Atlanta versus Alabama. Listen, if he really feels he's 100%, okay, cool. But that's my thing. I don't know if – and, of course, you want to give yourself the best chance to win. I'm not saying Miami go ahead and concede the loss. No, I, absolutely not. I'm not and, and I don't think that not playing the Eric is conceding that game. No, I'm not saying that. I don't think that at all. I'm just 
thinking about the, his future, the future of the program, what's best, okay? I mean, the viable options behind him, I mean, you're going to be starting guys that probably, not probably, but they don't have much reps at the starting, I'm sorry, as a college football quarterback. So when you think about that and you think about uh, Tyler Van Dyke never really had a significant snap. Jake Garcia, we all know where he's coming from, fresh out of his high school prom. That's pretty much it. All right, Peyton Matocha, no. Ryan Risk, no. So that's really the only guy on the roster with uh, quarterbacking experience. Plenty of it. So I don't know. The other thing that I'm kind of burning on is Marsh brought it up, you know, the receiver play. So when is the last time that you can remember hearing these, these two things in the same sentence, Miami wide receivers struggling? That is like an oxymoron. It just doesn't exist. It sounds weird, okay? It sounds weird. It's like, I don't know, going to the beach and not seeing, you know, sand or, or, or somebody wearing a two-piece or a beach ball or something like that. It's, it just doesn't go together. And it's really frustrating because you can, you're a rock throw between uh, finding a guy that can catch a, a fast high school player that could be consistent on the football field here in Miami, Florida, recruiting-wise. And then you got guys that were brought in. You know, uh, Mark Pope was you know, very highly rated, and he's struggling. And, you know, maybe, maybe this, maybe the fact that it's their money year, guys like Pope, guys like Wiggins, we saw – uh, Harley turned things around once the wide receiver competition was opened up last year, and he led the way. Maybe being the money year is the kind of the 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 bulb that goes off for these guys to say, okay, you know what, I I, I got to do this. All right. So how upset would you be if you see six and eight trotting out opening day? You want to know why you shouldn't be upset because the coaches are going to play the best guys. All right. I really, 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 really didn't buy into that. Uh, Manny playing favorites. I, I thought that was a bunch of crap. I never really b believed that. And I don't believe that he's that type of coach. If he was, then I don't think that the wide receiver competition would have been opened up. Say what you want about, oh, well, it should have been done earlier. Okay, well, better late than never, right? Number one. Number two, for those of you that feel, well, well Mike, what do you have to say about Chicolo starting over Rousseau? Well, Rousseau was hurt in that fall camp leading into uh, – his, his breakout season two seasons ago, okay? He had, I think he had like a lower back injury. So it wasn't a situation of we're going to start the experienced guy in Chicolo, who at the time I think was his maybe third or fourth year in the program. And, yes, he is coming back for another year at Colorado State. Good for him. To hell with you guys that make fun of a man that is getting a free education and has two degrees under his belt for free. And a guy that's pretty much coming back to try to add to his tape for the next level. But – um. What was I saying? I lost myself. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's their money year. And, oh, okay, the, the whole Chicolo thing. Yeah, he was hurt, man. Rousseau was hurt. It wasn't a thing about uh, that's the most talented guy and we're not going to play him because we like experience. No. And another thing about Chicolo, guys, I think he was like the highest rated defensive end on the roster or on the team for a couple of weeks there. And he was actually Miami's best run-stopping defensive end. So say what you want about the guy, but he held it down, all right? And then obviously – when things got better with Rousseau, you saw what he did when he when he was healthy and able to play. All right, I called that game his first start against UVA uh, a couple years back when Manny got his first win against a ranked program when uh, UVA came down to Miami Gardens a couple seasons ago, and um, I believe they're ranked number twenty if I'm not mistaken. So you know they get that one. That was his first start, and he was disruptive. All right, he was everything that Miami thought he would be. 
And I remember the season before that, when I first saw him against FIU uh, at Miami Gardens, I'm thinking, who is – because he didn't look like a, like a freshman. He didn't look like a first-year guy in playing, playing college football. He looked like a seasoned veteran. Okay, a lot of that has to do with his frame, but still – that raw talent is that's exactly what's going to get him drafted in the first round whether he goes ahead of Jalen Phillips or not that remains to be seen and it depends on what you like and I guess what your team situation is but if you want raw freakish athleticism ability that can still be uh coached up Rousseau is the guy that you take if you want the guy that uh is more proven more consistent in terms of having played having played recently and probably more of a technician than you take Phillips who's not a bad athlete in his own right but um, yeah, man, I, I just all of that was said to say that I highly, highly, highly doubt that these that this coaching staff is going to do what everybody thinks that they were doing last year. And heck, maybe I'm wrong. OK, I'm not an insider. I just call it like I see it. And if somebody is worthy of getting on the field, then they're going to get on. OK, who should start on paper going off of last year and how things finished. And then uh, when you look at hype and potential and what ifs going into this season you expect Rambo to start okay but what about what about next to him okay what about next to him I mean there's a bunch of guys Harley is a, is, is one is probably going to be you know the other guy opposite of him everybody's ranting and raving about, about Keyshawn Smith I want to see him uh Restrepo everybody wants to compare him to Brax and um I think that's unfair for both of those guys but that's what it is Jeremiah Payton the guy that a lot of people said reminded them of Amon Richards coming in he still has to break out there's a bunch man there's a bunch so we'll see Michael Redding is a guy that does not play like he's 6'2 so um I don't know I don't know I don't want to make any predictions but those are the two things that are mainly on my mind heading into the college football season what happens if you know things don't play out the way that they're supposed to in terms of coaching is that really Manny's fault no I don't think so because he he brought in the guy that you wanted right yeah he did you were excited about T-Rob what can you imagine it's not gonna happen could you but can you imagine if the secondary play is horrible this year who are you gonna blame coaching it, listen that is the lowest hanging fruit uh that any fan can use when it comes to team success or, or, or team not succeeding. Oh, blame the coach. That's the easiest target. No, it's more to that. Remember, we had a culture issue here for a very, very, very long time. It might just now be starting to kind of uh, hit the road, Jack. Okay, we'll see. There are some names and, you know, that maybe were a problem in the locker room. They're no longer part of the program. Maybe some coaches were part of that too. Who knows? But can you really blame coaching if, let's say, like I said, knock on wood, it's not going to happen, but let's just say the secondary plays below par. Um, I I don't see it. I don't see it happening. But um, we're going to go ahead and skip break because I want to talk some baseball, guys. I want to talk some baseball. Oops. Can you hear me? Yes, I can't hear myself. I want to talk some baseball right now. And for those of you that are aware, it's not my forte, which is exactly why I have somebody smarter than me on the phone to talk about it. My buddy, uh, fellow WVUM alum, uh, Danny LaRose, knows a thing or two about uh, the Diamond, and he's on the line with us right now. How's it going, Danny? Hey, Mike, going good. How's it going for you? Thanks for having me on, man. No, man, thanks for calling, especially me reaching out to you last night. Uh, being kind of last minute, I very much appreciate it. How did the hockey game go? Pretty good. We we got the W. Nice, nice. Are, are you coaching? Or are you playing? No, I was playing with the beer league team. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Okay, congrats on the win, man. 
But Danny, man, you like I said, you're a guy that I trust when it comes to baseball know-how, and so I wanted to talk to you about that because this is literally the third time <laughs> on the show that I have uh, spoken uh, about, I'm sorry, talked to anyone about baseball. I briefly mentioned the Dodgers <laughs> when they won, you know, uh, late in the year last year. I talked to Josh White about some Canes baseball last week, and we're going to talk about some MLB stuff right now. And um, let me pull up these questions that I sent you last night because – Aside from the world champs coming back this season, right, and attempt to defend their title, the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, can you tell me what is your opinion on the biggest storyline heading into the 2021 baseball season, if you have one, two, or three of them? Uh, yeah, I guess it's it's uh, interesting because here in 2021, we finally got a, a normal season again. Mm -hmm. So 162 games can actually see what, what teams are capable of. 2020, I think, was kind of an asterisk season. Right. Dodgers were very much the best team. But I don't know. That World Series feels a little a little suspect, in my opinion. I know okay. a lot of Dodgers fans are going to hate that. <laughs> but 162 games is really when you see uh, the actual product fully come together. You need a lot of games in baseball. Um, and I think one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest storylines I'm looking for is that NL East. Uh, as a New Yorker myself, uh, the New York Mets have been buying and buying and buying with that new owner. They're really one of the only teams in Major League Baseball who's actually buying right now because okay. most other teams are operating on a deficit um, from last year's losses you know, at the bottom line because of the coronavirus. Right. So with the Mets adding James McCann at catcher, Francisco Lindor, probably the biggest uh, trade that happened in this offseason, mm -hmm. uh, Trevor May into the bullpen, obviously Jacob deGrom, perennial Cy Young candidate, coming back to, to be the ace, Noah Syndergaard coming back from Tommy John surgery sometime in June. Okay. The Mets are really going to be making a push for that playoff position. They're one of the top contenders with the Dodgers in the National League. But don't forget about the Phillies who re-signed JT Real Muto, still have Bryce Harper, right. uh, the Braves who have that stacked lineup of Ronald Acuna, Ozzie Albies, uh, Freddie Freeman, who's the reigning NL MVP, uh, the Nationals as well. I mean, they won the World Series a couple of years ago. Don't don't sleep on Max Scherzer, wow. who had a little bit of an off year last year. That pitching rotation is still really good. And then, of course, the Marlins, who were the surprise team of uh, of 2020. They're returning largely the same squad. Um, if they can match the output that they had last year, which was probably unsustainable on a 162-game scale, but if they could do that, then they're definitely another contender. So that's a five-team division that is really going to be competitive. Um, and then another uh, another thing that I'm looking forward to in the 2021 season is the free agent class. There are so wow. many stacked free agents coming into that 2022 offseason. If you just look at the shortstops, Javier Baez, 29 years old for the Cubs, perennial all-star. Carlos Correa, the 27-year-old okay. world champion with the Astros, who is probably my favorite shortstop in Major League Baseball maybe right now. Okay. Um, Francisco Lindor, as I previously mentioned, he's 28, and he's only got one year left on his deal with the New York Mets. Corey Seager, another 28-year-old. Marcus Simeon, who just, I think, got signed by the Blue Jays, if I remember correctly, from okay. the uh, Athletics. He's 31 on the last year of his deal. Trevor Story with wow. the Colorado Rockies. It is probably the best shortstop class free agents I have seen in my lifetime. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, speaking of young guys, as I mentioned previously, uh, we had our, our buddy Josh White on last week talking about Canes and their big series went over the over the Gators and at School Up North uh, a couple weekends ago. Any, any up-and-coming Canes making some noise in the major league ranks that you're aware of? Uh, not too many. The Canes obviously had a couple of down years between 2017 and 2018-19. 
um, which is kind of where you would see that crop of prospects starting to come up through the ranks now. Okay. Uh, but Zach Collins, who's currently the backup with the Chicago White Sox, actually behind fellow Kane, Yasmani Grandal, who mm. signed a nice little multi-million dollar deal with the White Sox a couple summers ago. Uh, those two will be the backstops for Chicago, which is a very, very solid ball club. Uh, the White Sox are probably going to be my pick to maybe be a World Series competitor from the oh, American okay. League in 2021, 2022, 2023. That seems very, very good. If Zach Collins can just get it together, I mean, this is a guy who signed a $3 million signing bonus back uh, 2016, I think, when he was drafted in the first round, pick number 10. But he's just never been able to do it, really, at the major league level. Had a couple home runs um, in his rookie season. Uh, but again, not not a high average, not too many uh, home runs, not really doing what he was doing in the college ranks. So okay. if he can put that together, he's the one Kane to really look forward to. Obviously, Asmani Grandal, who's 32, he was drafted well before college. Right. He's an established uh, a pro Kane. Um, otherwise, a couple of guys retired recently, John Jay, Danny Valencia. Those were the Canes that were normally talked about, Yonder Alonso as well. Um, but then, uh, obviously, this latest uh, bunch of guys who got drafted last year, Slate Ciccone, uh who's only 21 years old, right. uh, drafted by the Diamondbacks in the first round. He's going to be coming up pretty soon. He's, okay. he's nearly MLB ready. Wow. Um, Chris McMahon as well, who just finished his junior year at UM, got drafted second round by the Rockies. He's going to be MLB ready in about a year or two because college guys usually are more so ready than high school guys. Right. So those are the ones. You won't see them in 2021, but you might see them a little bit in 2022 and definitely in 2023. Sweet, sweet. Something to look forward to. Um, the way that the season started last year was kind of rough. Everybody was still kind of learning about this whole pandemic. And so um, COVID affected the Marlins even. You know, we were talking about them a little bit. You know, they were caught in a situation. What is, what, to your knowledge, what is Commissioner Manfred and the rest of the MLB doing to keep players safe? and to kind of hoping for no stoppages of play or anything serious like that in terms of COVID because of how bad uh, and how bad of a rocky start things got off to in 2020. Yeah, I think the biggest issue with 2020 was that Manfred put in these protocols and he expected players to abide by them and then kind of just left them to their own devices. So he said, here are the rules, but I'm not going to really check if you're following the rules. And so we saw that there were a lot of rumors circling around with the Marlin situation. Right. Um, some reports were saying that they went to a club in, uh, in Miami. Right. Some were saying that the Phillies actually went to a club in Miami and then spread it to the Marlins. Um, but whatever happened, there was some group of guys that simply didn't follow the rules, ended up co a couple of them contracting coronavirus, spread it to a couple of other, of other dugouts, and then, you know, things just snowballed from there. And so the biggest gripe with, with Manfred from a lot of outsiders was that he didn't follow up enough. He didn't really, he made rules that he didn't really care about, or maybe that he wasn't really going to enforce, and just expected these 22-year-old guys with millions of dollars playing in, you know, the biggest cities in the world to, to behave themselves, which okay. is obviously... You know, not they're 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 essentially college students. You can't expect them to uh, to follow the rules too closely. So I think this year he's going to be a little bit stricter with that. Um, that's probably all internal MLB communications. I don't think that's really available right. to uh, to the masses. Um, and then they've also got some rules in place. They took out the universal DH for uh, the National League, oh, which wow. I personally like. I hate the designated hitter, <laughs> but they're still doing the uh, the runner on second base to start the extra innings, which is. Absolutely asinine, in my opinion. I don't know how that curbs coronavirus, but <laughs> apparently it does. Um, 
And so there's a couple of uh, they're still doing the the doubleheader seven innings, I guess, to get you know games over more quickly, so guys can get on the flights that they need to right. have travel days to fit in that 162 game season. Don't want teams landing in San Diego at 5 a.m. and playing four hours later. So uh, makes sense. Um, okay. But yeah, so just a couple couple game changes, and uh, otherwise with the rules for the players, I think they're just going to be a little bit stricter in making sure they're following those. Okay, well that's good to hear, man, because. I mean, I was probably an extremist when it came to this, but I was okay with not even seeing sports when all of this stuff started and, you know, coming out. I was on the side of, you know, college basketball canceling, and I was okay with not having uh, a football. Believe it or not, yes, me, I was okay with not having a football scene because for me it was health over anything. And I get it, you know, people need to make money and these corporations and, you know, uh, NBA, NFL, everybody needs to have this money, but – I don't know. I was just looking at the health side more than anything else. Um, and by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, channel 145, Slam Radio. Uh, joined by my buddy, Daniel LaRose, knows a, a thing or two about baseball, as you can tell, way more than myself, which is exactly why he's on the show. I wanted to ask you, Danny, uh, are the Astros still hated for what they did a couple years ago? <laughs> Good question. Um, I think they are a little bit. Uh, people are still a little upset about that. Uh, there's obviously a lot other huge stories going on in Major League Baseball right now. I don't know if you saw, but just yesterday, the Athletic reported that the Cleveland Indians, whose former pitching coach Mickey Calloway, um, was uh, it was well known that he was. Um, I don't want to use the word sexually or the phrase sexually assaulting because uh, I don't know if it was that, but sexually inappropriate with okay. women um, in the organization, and uh, apparently they knew about it and they still gave him a glowing recommendation to the New York Mets when they hired him to be manager. Ooh, I now that he... one. Wow. Hello? A big deal going on. Obviously, you can't blame the Indians players like you could blame the Astros players previously. This right. is more on the managerial side, the front office side. Right. So I think the Indians will get a lot of blowback. As for the Astros, um, it, you know, time heals all wounds. So I think people are kind of getting over it. Astros aren't going to be as competitive as they were in the past. Obviously, if they were winning World Series after World Series, people would be upset about it. Um, they lost George Springer to the Blue Jays, one of their best hitters. Um, Altuve had a really down year last year. Verlander's a little bit older. Granky's a little bit older. Their pitching is not what it used to be. Um, they're definitely a team that's on the, on the backswing of a lot of success. So okay. I think them not being as good is going to kind of uh, – you know, help people be more sympathetic to them. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, a little bit. I just don't understand how the Red well, Danny, The opinion, there? personally, I never was really too upset about the Astros thing. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, you know, the, the banging on the trash cans, cheating, shouldn't have done that, all that jazz. <laughs> but let's be honest, in the 2017 season, who was better than the Astros? The Astros were the best team, the best roster, absolutely disgusting uh, all around pitching hitting wise and then when the trash cans would help them the most when they were at home they hit worse than when they were on the road so did it really oh, that was in the world Series. i was not aware so did of it really have did it really have much of an impact for them i don't know i think that team still wins the world series whether they're using cameras microphones whatever you want to say meanwhile the boston red sox in 2018 when they won the world series did the same exact thing and all they did was had Alex Cora, the manager, God love him, he's a Miami Hurricane right. himself, but he, all he does is re resign from his position for 2020 and then miraculously gets rehired a year later after, after the Red Sox have a terrible season. And nobody's given them any <laughs> flack. It's all the Astros. God hates the Astros. <laughs>
I don't know, maybe somebody smarter than me can tell me why, but I think the Astros' hate is definitely uh, ebbing away, and, and I at least am completely sympathetic to them at this point. Good point. Good points all around. I appreciate that. Um, before <laughs> we wrap things up, we're kind of – well, yeah, we are kind of on the subject of quote-unquote cheating, so I wanted to ask you about – the Hall of Fame vote. Can you tell me your opinions on, you know, the voting that took place earlier in the year and how no player received the required 75% vote to get in, which was the first time since 2013, which, by the way, I feel that the MLB has their Hall of Fame voting. I think they do it the right way because what I hate to see is in the NFL and the NBA, oh, we got to get somebody in this year because at that point, it's kind of like, kind of like, uh, you're letting everybody in that may not deserve to be in because you got to have a class this year. I like that. But can you tell me your opinion on that? And I am going uh, leaning towards the whole Barry Bonds thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you that, yeah, it's the Hall of Fame for a reason. You know, you shouldn't just let about anybody in. And granted, um, there is less than 1% of all Major League Baseball players even end up making the Hall of Fame because there's a ton of guys who go through the ranks. Right. But if you're just looking at this uh, – this past year's list, I mean, it's not really that great. You got Kurt Schilling, maybe a Hall of Famer, very good player. His politics, I think, definitely influenced that vote. Right. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, um, Gary Sheffield, they all have uh, have um, steroid allegations against them, some of them more credible than others. Mm-hmm. Scott Rowland, he was a great player. I don't know if he was a Hall of Famer. Omar Vizquel, again, great player, played for a heck of a long time. Yeah. Don't know if he was a Hall of Famer, just didn't have the offense. Billy Wagner was a fantastic closer. I think he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He has a lot of stats that are on par with Mariano Rivera. But again, he wasn't that elite name. He's not Mariano where he won five rings and then everybody knows about him. True. There's just a lot of guys that kind of fall uh, in, into the mix. And Torrey Hunter, Mark Burley, wow. uh, Jeff Kent. It's, it's just kind of a lot of names where it's like, yeah, that guy was really good. Is he Hall of Famer worthy? Do I think about him like I think about Mike Piazza? Do I think about him like I think about Johnny Bench? Very true. Um, I don't know. You know. So, uh, and then when you talk about Barry Bonds, you, I'm glad that you brought that up because I really, really hate when people want to back to the Astros want to say that the Astros are the worst thing to happen in baseball. <laughs> you know, the, they need to be stripped of their World Series ring, stripped of. And I'm not an Astros fan. I don't know why I'm so defensive of them. But when you put it in this context. You have the same people calling for the Astros to be blown off the face of the earth who also say that Barry Bonds is the greatest player in Major League history and deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Trevor Bauer tweeted that. Trevor Bauer, who has become the enemy of uh, baseball Twitter just in the past couple of weeks, was baseball Twitter's darling back in 2019 and 2020 because he was a funny guy who was making a lot of provocative tweets, and he also pitched really well. Mm -hmm. And he was the number one Astros hater and uh, very publicly wrote it on his cleats and everything. <laughs> and then he also tweeted that Barry Bonds is the best player ever and deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Makes no sense. Man, you got to choose one. <laughs> Either all cheating is bad or no cheating is bad. You can't have some cheaters are allowed, because let's be honest, Barry Bonds took steroids. That's not. It's right. not for debate. Right. Um, and then the Astros obviously cheated. So either it's okay, do whatever gives you an edge, or no cheating at all, let's all play you know, fair. I'm on the let's all play fair, no cheating at all. So Barry Bonds should not be in the Hall of Fame, but let's be consistent with it. So I'm very glad Thank that you. sports writers are not giving Barry Bonds Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Mark uh, McGuire, the benefit of the doubt. Because, yeah, you probably were going to be on a Hall of Fame pace as it was, but too bad. You brought such shame to the sport. Right. That's not fame. If Pete Rose can't be in the Hall of Fame, don't give it to the guys who were juicing. 
I agree. I, and you know what my argument is? Very, I'm glad you said it. You, you phrased it perfectly. My thing for people that say, well, yeah, Barry, you know, whatever, but everybody was doing it at that age. My thing is this. We're adults. Can you imagine an adult using an excuse to an officer that gets pulled over? Uh, I'm sorry, an officer that pulls you over. And, well, officer, everybody was doing 100 well, I clocked you, okay? Like, yeah, <laughs> come exactly. on, man. Like, this is no. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I do see it in the same, uh, the same breadth as you do. And although, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just see cheating, and I, there are good points. Oh well, you know, he was a Hall of Famer before, uh, you know, before he got to San Francisco. His numbers in Pittsburgh were good enough. Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe find a certain place in the Hall for you know the asterisk players. I don't know, but. Uh, but yeah. how many players? How many players had amazing careers in one place and then completely fell off the map in another? I mean, True. let's say Jason Bay, who's a, who's a guy you might not uh, not remember, but he was fantastic with the Red Sox, signs a nice little deal with the Mets, and all of a sudden becomes terrible. Oh, wow. Say he took steroids by the time he got to New York, and people are like, "Well, if he stayed on his pace with the Red Sox, he would be in the Hall of Fame anyway." So Good let's point. put him in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's no guarantee. He did fall off once he went to a new town. Guys, they, they, they come and go. They have really, really good years, and then they fall apart. That's the crazy thing about baseball mm-hmm. is that it seems to have the most inconsistency with performance. So I, I feel like, you know, with Barry Bonds, you can make that argument, but it's no guarantee, so that's not enough. Very well said. You see, it's, it's, I like to have friends smarter than me when it comes to stuff like this because it makes for <laughs> good talk. Um, thanks for that, man. I appreciate that, Danny. Uh, we need to do this again because I'm going to have a lot more questions as the season goes on, and I hope you're available to answer them for me as the season goes on. Sounds good, brother. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Sweet. That is my buddy and former, uh, well, not former, but w, fellow WVUM alum, Danny uh, LaRose, former Marlins broadcast intern. Follow him. Well, I'm sorry. He doesn't have Twitter anymore. But we'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Mark McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended 
after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door. Which is, he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank is... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs, in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I see you, Frank, Jamin, in the production room. Like if you're gonna, like if he took a pre-workout, he's bouncing all over the walls in there. How can you not? Outcast. I gotta ask you a question about this, Frank, but we'll get into that in a little bit. You listen to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, and just got off the line with somebody that knows way more baseball than I ever would or have, <laughs> Daniel LaRose, and he'll be joining us as the season goes on. Really insightful guy. Uh, Frank, let me ask you really quick, man. Outcast or Bone? Uh, outcast for me. Okay, okay. Any particular reason why? No, I mean, I grew up with both of them. Um, I just kind of, I mean, Bone was uh, bone was a different sound. It was. You had to feel the Bone sound, and it was really fast, and um, I believe they were, like, from Philly or something like that? If Cleveland. I'm, Cleveland, all right. I knew they were up north. Um, I always kind of related more to the, to the southern music. Okay, no, fair like enough. The Lil Johns. Um, the Outcasts, the TIs, you know, like the, 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 the Ludacris. Yes. All those yes. Atlanta guys. And it's funny, I was going with a text message back and forth with somebody on the phone, the 112s, the Jagged Edges, mm. all those Atlanta, all that South sound. Mm -hmm. it, it's not that it sounds this, some of it sounds the same, but it's not those, that type of boring that it sounds the same. They are very unique because, I mean, not many people sound like Outcasts, let's be honest. They are in a realm by themselves, but it definitely has a sound that's probably more catchy than anything that we've that we've heard that you could compare it to. 
Um, I wanted to ask you about that, and I wanted to ask you something else. Did you know, uh, well, actually, no, I'm gonna, I'll say that for later, but I was a Super Nintendo kid growing up. So was I. Okay, so Super NES over Sega? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No Sega in my house. No, no Sega <laughs> when didn't you, exist in my house. I, there were a couple games that I did. Sonic is probably the, f the best game that I played with Sega. What games did you play with Sega did you like? I think it was that one and, like, Sonic Pinball or whatever it was. Okay, okay. But the Sonic, the Sonic was the one that, like, oh, you know what? Hold on a minute. The thing that Sega had over Super Nintendo was the Mortal Kombat, the Blood. first one, came out with blood. The blood. And the Super Nintendo, it was like like Split gray blood or something. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, that was the <laughs> one game that I was jealous that I didn't have on Sega. Wasn't there a code? So apparently, I never had it, but there were you can put uh you could put in for Super Nintendo for there to be uh blood uh when you hit the guy. Yeah, but it wasn't the same because wasn't like the same in way. the Sega like it looked like the blood from the arcade and then like in yeah. the Super Nintendo it just looked like mist. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like it was vanished. Weak. <laughs> It was weak. Good point, man. What about games on Super Nintendo did you like? There was, there was plenty of classics, but off the top of my head, top three or four, Mario Kart for sure. For sure. Okay. I loved F-Zero. Okay. F-Zero was a, like a futuristic type racing yeah, yeah. type game. I, I loved that one. Um, Turtles in Time. Turtles Sweet. in Time was a good one. That was yes. a good one. And I'm missing one. I guess any of them. Oh, NBA Live 96 was the one that started off, started off for me for basketball. Yeah, NBA. Oh, well, hold on a minute. So um, NBA Jam was a big oh, well, deal. Oh, of course. Super Nintendo, yes. Right. Okay. Before the NBA Lives and all that yes. thing. Um, I wasn't, I mean, Super Nintendo was cool, but like it just, it wasn't ready yet to be played. Okay. The Lives, okay. the Maddens, they weren't okay. ready yet. Uh, so I did like, um, did you ever play, wow, what's the name of that game? Uh, Air, I, it has something to do with like a pilot, air wind or something like that. Like you had to do like skydiving and like flying airplanes. I, I'll have to look up the name of it to give you the exact name. Okay. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> the other one that I played, wow, I had it. Um, did you ever do Mario Paint on Super Nintendo? I never did that one. That was an interesting game. I never did that one. It didn't. No me llamó la atención. It didn't. I, I don't know why. I had a game that I had, and it just it just just totally went away from me. But hundred <laughs> percent. But the Mario. Oh, the Mario World, by the way, was the best Mario. Oh of all man, time. of course. That was the, after they introduced Yoshi. That was the best was Mario over. of all time. Uh, I over. still go to that day to play it. In fact, I kid you not. I bet you I have a Game Boy in my book bag right now with the Mario World game in it. Did you? Were you ever able to unlock all of the secret levels in that? It was. I would erase the game when I did it just to do it all over again. To get it right back. Yeah. It was yeah. like, nine, I had like a 98 or 99%, yeah. the yeah. back secret door, yes. Star World. <laughs> and like, yes. like, I had it so much. Look, I'm not kidding you, bro. Look. This man my game just Boy, my Mario World. out. Oh, he is, wow, is that throwback. That's Mario World, right? That's Super Mario World. Wow. I'm not Frank. kidding you, man. So, yeah, man, I took the back door. And then I don't know if you knew this. Did you know about the secret Star World? Yeah. The, that Wait. the screen turned black? Black? Oh boy! In so you know Mario like that then? Black? Hold on, wait, wait. Because I knew the star where you go up. It was like you know the, you start spinning, you go up, and it was a star, and you had five levels on the star. Right. There was a secret one. There was a one? secret star. Oh right? man, you're making me look so, bad. So I'm gonna pull it up. I'm gonna show you before you leave. So when when you do the whole Star World, it uh -huh. was a complete star, and you complete the star. Right. The last level, which was all the way on the bottom of the screen, uh huh. There was some key or something that you had to get. And it would take another star would appear on top of that, oh, wait. and then it was a new world, the star levels. I can't, I can't remember the name of it right now, off the top of my head. You're I'm getting to a star me, world man. right now as we speak on my <laughs> video game. Um, but it was called like Tubular or something like that. And then after you beat all of those levels, all the turtles become human. 
What? No, I never saw that. They become human. I never saw you that. Jump on them, and instead of it being shells, their heads come down, and then you jump on their heads, and they they just fly across the screen. I I can't recall that, but if I saw, because you want to know who was really good at this, my younger brother. We're we're separated by seven years, but he probably got into it. As, I gotta see it. I gotta see it because I, the human thing I don't remember, but. If I saw it, it maybe would ring a bell, but the whole human, I don't know, off the top of my head, that sounds kind of crazy, but wow. Yes, please show me before we leave, because now I'm intrigued. I got to know this. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about, Frank, something that's... Can't wait, Mike. I'm sorry, oh, my man. God. He is coming in. Just He's got to show me. He has entered the main studio. Right. I'm looking at his Game Boy. So here's the star. Have you ever been to that star? Yes. Uh, yes, I remember that okay, one. So when you get there... You beat all the levels. Okay, yeah, I did that. And then, like, the turtles become human. Oh, I remember that, but I don't remember. I do remember I that whole remember black right. part. And I do remember that. Well, I either have a, a really bad memory or my Super Nintendo was just trash like that. But, um, Frank, something else that I want. And by the way, this is something that we've been doing for the past couple weeks in the last segment, just kind of, you know, kind of sharing what's on our mind. This whole past week, Frank, I went. As I encountered, you know, certain situations, I said, you know, I'm going to talk to Frank about this just to get your idea and stuff that kind of gets on my nerves or whatever. So I'm, I like to be in the house with the windows open, whether it's daytime or nighttime, sunny out or whatever. I just like feeling the breeze or whatever. So it was 78 degrees in the house, and I was thinking it was hot as heck. Like 78 degrees, that's room temperature. That's hot, man. Is that really room temperature? How do you like to sleep? Do you like to sleep at, quote, unquote, room temperature? Because 78 degrees is hot. No, I like to sleep when it's cold. I like to shiver. In fact, I'll put four blankets on me just to Whoa. make sure that, like, I can control it. <laughs> like, for real. Like, it's easier It's easier to get hot than it is. it is to get cold. Like, it I've is. always said, like, I'd rather live up north. Up. You live up north. You throw four or five jackets on if you have to. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. But you throw four or five on and you warm up faster. It's true. Here in Miami, you're hot. Once you're hot, you're hot. <laughs> you can't. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, and you, you'll be jumping in bed, throwing your covers off, <laughs> turning, <sighs> and breathing extra loud. It's not going to help. You're not going to get any colder. <laughs> Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean. I, I switch it up and I don't know why. Like, when I say Pirates of the Caribbean. That's the only time I say, I say it. That's the only time I say it. And I was watching it the other day with my son, and I'm thinking, oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. But then another conversation I had, it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to the Caribbean. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I wonder how, like, how does that work? You just throw it around when it's convenient? I don't know. But I had to ask you that because I wanted to get your opinion. Well, isn't it the same kind of with data or data? Like, which one yes, do you go? Yes, yes. You know what? It depends on how I'm, the sentence that I'm using because... I had a class, and it was data analytics, and I would say it data, okay? But then if I'm talking to you, I probably would say, oh, data or something like that. Like in Star Trek, the guy's name was Data. Okay. His, the, one of the characters, his name is Data. I never heard anybody call him Data, but, I mean, you say it the same way, Data, I, Data. Like, like you hear, like, David Fisdale on, on ESPN all the time. He always says Data, Data. He always goes out of the way mm -hmm. to say Data. Mm -hmm. um, but I, can, I never say Data, unless you're talking like that, how you talk about a class. So, right. so far, we're right on it. Caribbean, <laughs> I only say Caribbean when I'm talking about the pirates. If not, it's Caribbean for me. <laughs> Something else that I have in my notes. So, all right, we're going to talk about music really quick. Do you know who Bobby Caldwell is? Uh, I'm hearing a yes back here. I'd have to hear a song. Do for love? Don't ask me to sing it. Please Doesn't don't ask me to sing it. I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, man. Well, you'll know what song it is when you hear it. You want to know an interesting fact about him is the fact. Well, first of all, I think he's from Miami. Let me double check really quick. Let me look him up. Bobby Caldwell. I believe he's from Miami. But something that a lot of people don't know, 
he's a very, very soulful dude. Okay, you hear the, okay, he was born in New York, but he spent a lot of time in Miami, okay? Um, what you want to do, do for I thought you said you weren't going to sing it. I couldn't help it, man. Oh, okay, I, I, I know what song him. this is. All right, so anyway, <clears throat> please don't sign me to a music contract. I already have one. But in any event... I got connections with the people of American Idol, bro. <laughs> they won't let me on, man. So listen, he sounds like a, he is a very soulful dude, especially that song, okay? And a lot, like Tina Marie, a lot of people don't know Tina Marie, uh, Rick James discovered her, right? So she's very soulful as well. Ask anybody without seeing their face, you would think that they're an African-American singer, okay? So in fear of losing his African-American audience, because it was huge, the album cover to Bobby Caldwell's album in which Do For Love was on, it's him sitting on a bench on a hill with like the sun setting in the background and it's just him in a silhouette. It's black. Just that's how it is. If you want to Google it, that's what it is, right? So when he had his like one of his very first concerts and he came out and people saw like this guy, this white guy, people freaked out. But he did that. Because he didn't want people to, he, thinking he would lose, you know, his, his African-American audience. And he had a huge following. But that is one soulful dude. Did you know that about his album cover? I did not know that about his album cover. Yeah, man. Let me just go ahead and put, uh, just Google it. Bobby Caldwell album cover. And you'll see what I'm looking at. It, it, you know what, though? Like, somebody else that I have in my head, I'm going to play a song mm -hmm. to see if you know about it. Had the same issue. You ever hear this song? Yes. And what I can't remember. Oh, I know who. I, I see the face, but I can't remember the name. All right. So, you know. Is he, is, is he a white guy or is he African-American? He's a white guy. All right, but when he starts singing, everyone thought he, <laughs> he was. He sounds him. very soulful, yes. Go, 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 watch him. Come on, man. It's, it's hard. That is soulful. That's like church stuff. It sounds like it'd be like a church voice. What's his name? Rick Astley. Rich, wow, Rick Astley. Well, look, again, Tina Marie, one of those people that fit into that category. Bobby Caldwell, for sure. And Mr. Astley, how you just mentioned. Um, there's a lot of those. There's a there's a bunch of those, and even now, I would like think like, oh my god, like okay. Um, let me ask you this: When it comes to, let's say, I'm texting you, right? I love when this happens because it makes me feel like you know what? I'm surrounded around the right people. I have smart friends. You text someone because nowadays, if you're trying to get in touch with someone, and I don't know if this is the sign of the times or I don't know me being considerate because other people may be busy, I text you first to see, hey. You got a minute so I can call you? Do you do the same thing? Yeah, that's a sign of the times because that didn't right? exist. It didn't exist before. Okay, so I do that, right? You know what I love? When I send people that, hey, can I? Can you talk right now? And they call me instead of saying, yes, I can talk. If you can talk, just call me. Because if I get that same text message, I'm not going to write back. I'm going to call you because I'm free. You're obviously free. We, uh, you obviously have something to talk to me about. I call you. And it just, it warmed my heart that I texted a buddy of mine the other day. I was like, hey, you got a minute? And he called me as soon as he got the text message, not even a minute later. I, it, it, am I kind of just being a stickler about that? No, I mean, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, like, I'll call back, but I've, I ha I've learned not to call back. Because just because you're asking me, do you have a minute, doesn't necessarily mean you're ready at that time. Okay. So, like, I'll set it up sometimes. Like, I know I'll call somebody as soon as I leave here. As I'm walking out the door, I'll text, hey, do you have a minute? And then they say yes. So, I'll be like, give me a sec. I'll call you right back. Okay. Like, I'll call okay. you in a minute or something. Fair enough. Yeah. At least that's thinking about it. At least that's thinking about but, it. But, like, I've had to adapt to all that, man, because that's the times of now. Because people don't call anymore. People don't make phone mm -hmm. calls. It's about text. And, mm -mm. and and it's crazy because I can call you. Let's use you for an example. You don't do this to me. But I'll call you. You won't pick up. But immediately, you're down to have a 25-minute full-blown conversation over text. 
Why don't you just pick up the phone and just have it? It would have taken us four <laughs> minutes to have the conversation. Sometimes I don't want to text all that. I hear you, man. It um, Text messaging and social media has definitely kind of de... I don't want to say dehumanized, but kind of distanced us even more. So it's kind of weird. Well, it, as, as far as socially, as far yes. as social that we are, we're more socially awkward than ever. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. And I that is totally to blame for, you know, the, the, the media age and digital age that we're in right now. Um... Parallel parking, Frank, it's a nightmare down here. It's bad. Or a parking period. I feel, and by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but there is a book like this thick, okay, that um, that police officers use that they can hand out citations for. Did you know that if, say you're at a red light, and I'll get back to the parallel parking in a second. If you're at a red light and light turns green and you peel out, you know there's always that idiot. Noise pollution. It's it's you can get cited for that. Yeah, it's for like a false start. It's considered, no, it's considered noise pollution. That's that's the same crazy. thing. Like if you have speakers that are blasting too, too loud, loud, that's just crazy. They can give they can give you technically a noise pollution ticket. Wow. Well, I said that to say this. I wonder if that big book, because it's about this thick, okay, if there's anything in there about parking like an idiot, okay, that you can't stay within the white lines because there's people. I think you know what? Not I think I'm I'm one of them. I think I park better backing in than I do forward. I do too. And that's weird. It has nothing to do with the camera because I use the camera a lot, but I just, I'm better that way. I do better parking when there's cars next to me than when there's no cars there. Because, <laughs> because you don't know where the lines are exactly. That's you true. You see other cars that help you judge. That's it. true. But so parallel parking, man, and some people just, they have, they have no regard for whatever. They'll know that their park messed up, look at their car and walk away. That pisses me off. But you know what I feel, man? I feel that there should be, when, he, when it comes to getting your license, I feel like, an IQ test should be part of a driver's license because you can't be stupid with a driver's license. Agreed. That's dangerous. That's cr- like people do some really and, and look, I'm, I know I'm beating a dead horse. So we're not going to talk about Miami driving, but the things that you encounter from week to week or day to day or block to block is amazing. So Hannah, you've met her before. She does a show with us in the morning. In the morning, okay, yeah. She told me that I should attach a body cam to me and a dash cam because of everything just happens to me. She's <laughs> like, like that doesn't exist in this world. It only happens to you. Um, by the way, I'm going to say the cockiest thing I've ever said on your show. I am the greatest driver in Miami. I am I, the best driver <laughs> in Miami. I, I, don't, I don't even, don't at me. I am the best driver in Miami. Parallel Park, go, I'll take you right now. I'll go Parallel Park. <laughs> One second, bing, I'll park. People look at me like, how the hell do you do that? I'm the what do you drive? Miami. Oh, I, mean, I drive Hyundai Sonata right now, but it doesn't okay. matter what I drive. You give me anything, and I'll put, you give me 18 <laughs> wheels on it, and I'll put it in, in a parking spot. No, it's funny because, like, you know, there was a big time uh, um, uh, police chase here not that long ago. And like it was going for a while on the Oh, like, I remember was yeah, doing yeah, yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. And I kept on watching and I'm like, wow, this is guy's the second greatest driver I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. And there he goes, who's the best? And I go, me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? You never been in a car with me? Of course. But um, those are some things that we were burning on. And before we get off the air, I wanted to have an NBA segment, but this this portion of the show that we do every week for the past couple of weeks has been so much fun. I didn't want to leave out. I didn't want to leave it out. But I gotta touch on a record that was broken, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Buddy Heald broke Stephen Curry's record for the quickest player in NBA history to hit the 1,000 three-pointer mark. This happened last week, but, you know, I only come on air once a week, and I have to touch on it because it's amazing. Why? It's not going to last for long, okay? Um, it's not going to last for long at all because of the day and age that we live in. But check this out. Buddy Heald becomes a fastest player in NBA history to reach 1,000 three-pointers. He hit that mark in only, yes, I say only, 350 games playing for the Kings. 
Which one is more impressive, you ask? I say it's healed breaking steps, healed doing it over Curry. Why? Curry had help to be open as much as he was to, you know, hit those threes. And not saying Curry only hits open threes, but when you, I mean, they have, they call them the Splash Brothers for a reason. Klay Thompson has always been the best shooter on his team until he got to the Warriors. So you have the best shooting backcourt of all time. And in that best shooting backcourt, you have the best shooter of all time. Things are a little bit easier, okay? But with the Kings, which is, you know, it's kind of like NBA purgatory, that's crazy. 350 games for him. Uh, Curry previously held the record at 369. Klay Thompson checked in third on that list at 372 games. Damian Lillard hit 1,000 threes at 385 games. It's going to be broken. It might be Luka. It might be Trey Young. But this was one of those records that's going to get broken over and over and over again. And I thought it was worthy of mentioning. What do you think about that, uh, Frank? That's that's pretty remarkable, man. I didn't think that was ever going to get caught. Yeah. And I do think that's more impressive than the stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. So, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize, or I apologize for the shortened show, but it won't happen again. Um, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Had a good time listening to, I'm sorry, being on air with you this week. So, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week, and we'll catch you next time. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.